0: Welcome to the first edition of our Quantum Sales podcast series. My name is Andy Rice, and over the coming weeks and months, I'll be talking to some of the world's sailboat racing experts about the small changes that can make a big difference on the race course. Joining me today is Quantum Sales' very own Terry Hutchinson. First, I want to ask you, Terry, about the overall message of this podcast series. Small changes, big difference – Talk us through that message and what it means to you.
1: Well, I think in a very simple form, you know, when you look at the FAR 40 and the development that takes place in that cl- class, the uh, the gains on the race course can be measured in inches. And yet you can get gain out of a lot of different areas of your FAR 40 racing. You can get it out of your sails. You can get it out of your boat development. You can get it out of your crew development. And it's generally a combination of all three of those pieces that gets you the incremental gains that you want to be successful on the race course.
0: Okay. So can you give us an example of one of those three areas and, and how that's applied? I mean, how long have you been sailing the Far 40, by the way?
1: Yeah, That's a great question. I've been racing Far 40s now for 17 years. I started out with uh, Jim Richardson on the Barking Mad, um, and we had an incredible, incredible run, winning two world championships. and several North American championships and Key West race weeks and so on and so forth. And now I'm racing with Alex Ropers on the plenty. And in our first season we were, um, we, (laughs) I think we, uh, we got a little bit ahead of ourselves where we won five of the six regattas that we raced and we won a North American championship and a world championship. So it's a, uh, when you think about continually improving, you know, after a season like that, you know, you, It's very easy to get ahead of yourself and to think that there aren't gains left on the race course. And I would probably use the example that we have right now in that we lost three key members of our team uh, last year uh, rolling into this season. And at the beginning of last season, we were beaten in the first event by Enfant Tarib by, I believe, 16 points. And we went to the Far 40 Midwinter Championship in San Diego about a month ago, and we ended up second there. We were um, we lost to Enfant again by five points. And I made the comment, Alex and I had a great discussion about our ability to continually improve through these events. And our conclusion at the end of that regatta was the best thing about the event was we're 13 points closer um, to Enfant than we were a year ago. And yet we were able to put together a nice string of regattas and have a successful season. And, you know, when you think about our, our team development, which I place a lot of emphasis on the process of racing the boat well and, and, the, um, and the team's ability to get the, the boat around the race course, you know, the, the unique feature of the Far 40 is you don't necessarily win the regattas on your professionals on the boat you win the regattas on the amateurs. And so we play, we place a high emphasis on making sure that our debriefs and our evaluation of our performance on the day is really succinct. It's very clear. Um, at the end of each day of racing, I have something that I call a capture list, which we go through the same points every single day. We talk about trimmer helm communication. We talk about the sails that we were using and the rig setup at that time and the boat's performance. We talk about who we would pick on the day you know, which is a hard thing to, uh, to do when, you know, everybody's sitting there and you're sitting there with, you know, the, the owner. And, you know, at our last regatta, we never picked plenty on the day. We always picked another boat. And it's a what, great... What,
0: what do you mean by picking?
1: Um, so at the end of the day, so at the end of the, just as an example, at the first day of the, of the midwinter championship, we were fourth or fifth off the water at the end of the day. And so we run through starts, boat speed boat handling as kind of the things that we would, you know, when you look around the fleet, who would you pick that had better starts? Who would you pick that had better boat handling and who would you pick that had better boat speed? And so what that leads you to is points of discussion for your evening debrief. And it also gives you things to think about for the racing the next day and areas of improvement as you go through the regatta, because if you're not getting better um, from the first day of the regatta to the last day of the regatta, you're probably not going to win the event. And so our mindset is always we want to get to the last day of the regatta with an opportunity to win. And the first, in an 11-race series, really it's the first seven races that you're surviving, and you want to get to the last three with an opportunity to win the event. And so that's really where all of our focus and energy is put into as we go through our training um, and as we go through the regatta. And so these debriefs are very – short and sweet. They're very structured so that we get the same, um, information time and time again. And we can build a database really of, of what we think is good and what we think is bad. And then the next day when we go out and go racing, we have the notes from the night before that get reviewed in the morning on the boat. And it just, you know, it's one of those pieces that helps raise everybody's awareness. So as we're going through situations on the day, Or in the moment, you can say, hey, guys, don't forget what we talked about here yesterday. We got a bear away set with a quick jive. These are the things that need to happen. And everybody's already tuned in. You know, you don't even have to, you don't even really have to say anything because everybody already knows what we're talking about. But it's another, you know, for people and for teams that spend half of their days working in an office and for somebody like Alex, whose time is so limited to sailing, but yet he has such an incredible capacity to maintain the information when he's tuned in on it, you know, it's a really, really useful tool. But it helps our team improve as we go through an an event. What if you've got a really long list of things? Because that
0: sounds like a long list of things. Uh, the, the the human mind can't soak it all up straight away. Maybe Alex Roper's can, but not yeah.
1: everyone can. Yeah, so, no, that's a great that's a great point. And so that where that's where it comes back to, you know, part of my roles and responsibility on the boat is to prioritize. If we have ten things is to identify collectively as a group, what are the three things that are going to make a big difference? You know, I mean, and that's, you know, inevitably that's boat speed and then closely followed by boat handling that will lead to just good consistent racing. You know, it's, in, it's always interesting in the far 40 class, very rarely does somebody win um, a regatta by a big margin. And we were fortunate at the world championship last year that we won without having to sail the last race. Um, and yet that's a rarity, you know, at this last event that we just did in San Diego, we were going into the last race, four points off the lead behind, uh, Alberto Rossi's on And that's a, that's a normal margin, you know? And so you're really looking for, you know, three to four, five things on the day that will help get you a solid gain rate.
0: Okay. So you prioritize, prioritize those three things. Um, what, what else do you do in terms of when you're not actually in the middle of a, a of a, a racing event, uh, yeah. what do you do in the off season uh, on a training day? What, what kind of structure do you bring to that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's an element of boat speed in the far 40 that we, you know, I think in our sail program in particular, that we've worked really, really hard on developing consistent sales through the range. And once we develop the sales and we develop, you know, shapes that are going to allow us to be racing the boat all the time at 95% fast. You know, you want to to get rid of the lows and work for consistent highs. And that's, uh, you know, those things rear their heads in different ways. And so, you know, really in between the world championship and the start of the regatta in San Diego, the things that we did was we had a full evaluation of where we were sail shape wise for the upwind and the downwind sails. Um, and the conclusions that we learned out of the regatta, um, we looked hard at our competition to see what, what they're doing. And fortunately, at that regatta, the quantum sales were one, two, and four. And so we knew some component of what they were doing, but Enfant was third, and they're using the competitor's brand. And so you know, a lot of, a lot of our development c- um, comes out of what our competition is doing, but it also comes out where we perceive our strengths and weaknesses are. And as I said, I mean I think we work hard on making sure that our inventory is a good all-around all-purpose inventory. You can always you can always it I feel you can always design something or make something that if you get right in its sweet spot would probably be faster. But what our sweet spot is is, you know, this 95%, that's what we're after. We're not after the last 5% per se. I mean, obviously if you had it you would always take it, but you're just in this type of racing, you win the regattas by turning the 10th place at the top mark into a third. And, you know, that's just a simple fact. And so having an inventory that allows us to to execute on that is where we start. And then you have to, um, you know, you have to roll from there and really develop a mindset of what team gains can you make and where do those come from? You know, it's, it's great to see a lot of the fleet sales with GoPro cameras on the back of their boat. And that's a, that's a great tool to, um, to use for developing your team for our sale program. We have, you know, we have a very structured uh, process of taking pictures of the sales, and then we put them into the quantum V uh design tool where we break down and analyze the sail shapes and, as much as anything there, what we're looking for is duplication of the settings of the trim from tack to tack and in any given condition.
0: Okay, so that's what you're doing at the very top end. But yeah. let's say you're not in the top five or top 10, far 40 teams in the world. You've got a boat speed problem. How do you know if it's the sails and the rig or how do you know if it's you? Is it a technique problem or is it a setup problem? How do you diagnose that problem?
1: Um, that's a great question. You know I mean? Because the performance comes out of a lot of different areas. Uh, I think the first thing to understand is to to make sure that how your boat is set up and how your sails are set up to fit the rig is actually happening. You know, a lot of times you'll have conversations with folks on the dock and they'll, they'll ask, where were you on your rig settings? And where were you um, at this particular part of the race? And I'm always amazed when you – when you describe to a trimmer or to an owner who's racing his boat what you know where we're at and then you hear where they're at and generally speaking you find that the two are very opposite ends of the spectrum and on average what you what you end up hearing is that people are probably too tight on their rigs and you know the far 40 with a non overlapping jib needs to have power in it and then probably what you find is that people don't sheet sails on hard enough and and they can't hold their lanes. And that's a – but, you know, the the, uh, ability to duplicate settings is critical on the FAR 40. And so if you walk over to Plenty, what you will see is marks on the jib sheet, scales on the deck so the main trimmer and the jib trimmer can easily see where the jib's being sheeted to. So we know when we're going well, they can tack over and duplicate the setting. I mean, everywhere you look on Plenty, there is something that's marked so that in the heat of the moment, the setting can be replicated instantly.
0: Terry, you covered a lot of ground there already. We're going to cover a lot more in the course of this podcast series. I just want to finish this one by asking you, just where you think the far 40 has fitted into the sort of the development of keelboat racing. Cause one of the interesting things for me is it was probably the, the first really successful owner driver class. And, and before yeah. then an owner typically got to do the runners on the back of the boat that he'd lavished yeah. all this money on. If he was yeah. lucky, if he was allowed on his boat at all. So just tell us what you think it's brought for owners and what has it brought for the professional racing scene as well? Well,
1: I mean, that, I'm, um, I'm incredibly biased because I think there's a, there's a couple of things that make the Far 40 class successful. And the first side of that is an incredible, um, pool of owners that have been committed to a certain style of racing, which inevitably in it, as the class has evolved over however many years, 20 years now, um, you can't, you can't emphasize the balance of, the owner drivers with the professional and amateur teams that, that balance that they struck there uh, was probably one of the key parts to keeping the whole thing going forward. I mean, they're committed owners. They're great people and they don't lose sight of having fun. The next element to, I think the success of the fire 40 class has been the management um, by Jeff and Tink and, and Stag yachts. You know, it's Jeff, Cops it a lot because he's hard-nosed about certain things, but he has always operated in the best interest of the owners. And by putting their agenda before his and serving their agenda, um, you know, I think that's been one of the keys to the longevity of the FAR 40. And probably the final bit is in its early day, the FAR 40 was leading edge. You know, you look at it now and you say, well, you know, maybe not so leading edge. And, you know, and what has ended up evolving is, you know, it started out as leading edge, you know, very, very uh, committed to one design racing, but in the development of IMS, the boat also had a very good IMS rating. And so they, early on in the piece, it, it served a couple different agendas, but as it quickly evolved into, um, great one design racing, you know, it was able to slide out of that. And so from there, the class, you know, has evolved out into um something that might not be as leading edge in technology but has developed uh, accordingly. You know, the class went from symmetrical spinnakers or sorry, fractional spinnakers to masthead symmetrical spinnakers and yet the racing is still bow to stern. And what you learn is, well, you know, 20 years ago it was great and today it's just as good if not better because the boats are so well developed and so evolved that you know, it really comes down to the owner-driver and the teams that they have on the boat. And as a measure of competition, I don't think you can look in a lot of different avenues or arenas in the world and think, wow, you get this quality of racing in a 40-foot sailboat.
0: Absolutely, Terry. Well, I can see why, you, why you've been in it for 17 years, yeah. and I wonder if you'll be there for another 17 years. Thank you very well, much for it.
1: If it's around, I sure do hope I'm going to. I mean, I... <laughs> I think there is a, um, a whole group of professional sailors that every single day need to wake up and thank Jeff Stagg for what, and Barry Carroll and the guys that were behind the initial parts of the, of the FAR 40 development. You know, I mean, it's a pretty special thing that they created. And, you know, there's a whole group of us that uh, have been very fortunate to be able to make our living doing something that we love around an incredible group of owners. Well, thanks,
0: Terry. And that wraps up our first edition of the Continual Improvement Series. We'll be back to you very soon with the next edition.
1: All right. Thanks, Andy.